I can begin is tell you a little bit of background. As we, as we travel down through time, at one time, everybody was basically a spiritual advisor. They knew and understood the use of energy. They knew and understood later on the use of herbs because in the beginning, there was no use for herbs because we generally used energy. Energy basically as the healing basis for everything. I have a, a warrior back home that basically uses what we call laser light for healings, and it comes right out of his forehead. Sometimes in the sweat lodge, people will see a light that will come out, and what he does, he works on people with just that energy. He cleans out their systems. We have another guy basically that comes in and works with the energy of the hands. He'll actually grab hot coals, put them in his hand, and then he'll heal you like that. He'll utilize the energy of the coals. But in most cases, when, when we heal, in the old days, we utilized energy. Energy was basically the focus. And now you see we're almost going full cycle because people are going back to it. They're starting to understand the importance of energy. But we have to be very careful nowadays because back then the energy was pure. Today the energy is polluted. So we have to be careful what energy we use and how we use it. Just like with the ocean. At one time the ocean was pure because there was no pollution. But now pollution is getting into the ground, so there are other things we have to do before we basically use that OSHA in our ceremonies. There has to be a cleansing process just to clean the energy out of that particular plant. And if you ever watch us when we work with things, we never kill the plant. We always work with the plant. That means when I pick the OSHA, I don't pick up all the roots. I only go after it. It's because if you're going to use energy of certain types of... Uh, herbs, well the best thing is to do is keep the energy alive. Keep that plant alive. As long as you keep that plant alive, that energy is still alive. You don't have to use dead energy. So that's why we always teach people that when you go pick things, don't try to kill them. Only pick what you need. Only pick that part of it what you need. Because in our society, the way we feel and the way we think is that if you're going to take something, give something. We always give before we take. And that's one of the reasons why I've always, I always carry tobacco. Is because that's, that's the first form. This is one of our most sacred medicines, believe it or not. And a lot of people say, well, how can that be medicine? It gives people cancer. Well, if you overdose on medicine, what happens? You get sick. So people are overdosing on this. It's really a medicine. But see, what we do is we always say, uh, what they terminate, you know, put as drugs nowadays, you know, is not considered, when we use things, we don't call them drugs, so we call them balancers, okay? okay? But see, when, when we did it, they were done in a way that they weren't man-made, they were creator-made. But nowadays, we call what we, we refer to drugs as something that man makes. They go out and they, and they use your technology to basically make it, and it's not natural. In fact, one of the things that we always talk about in, in the area of medicine sometimes is we always say it's strange that when our people, when our spiritual people get people in the sweat lodge sometimes, those who have the gift can tell you immediately what's wrong with you in that sweat lodge. And they can immediately prescribe the herbs that you need to drink to balance yourself. 
but then you go to a doctor and the doctor has to take tests then he says well I think you have this let me look at my book and looks in the book and I always say and they call us practicing when they have to go to the book to find out what you have and run all these tests and to us we always say that T's are natural they're taken in a natural way so therefore if they're taken in a natural way they work the way they're supposed to but when you we say that when when man uses the needle what they do is they'll draw your blood out they'll take your blood they'll put it on a little plate and they'll look under a microscope to see exactly what you have and then they'll test different antibiotics on it then the antibiotic that happens to work then they take your live cells and they put it on a shelf and they duplicate those cells which to us are dead cells and then what they do is they put it with the antibiotic put it back into your arm and what are they doing they're putting dead cells back into you so it may cure the disease but 10 years later you catch something a little more serious or 12 years you catch something a little more serious because they're putting dead medicine in you it's not alive to us it's dead so that's why when we when we work on people we make sure that the medicines work on you in three different ways they work on your spirit they work on your mind and they work on your body because if you're only going to balance one thing that means you're going to get sick again because you're unbalanced so you have to balance all three areas in order to completely get you well get you back in balance to give you a, a kind of a little uh, prime example when you were young and you were sick and your mother came with that medicine do you ever wonder or ever notice how fast you recovered as a kid compared to how much you recover at your age now it's a little longer now isn't it to recover from certain sicknesses mm -hmm. but why now it's very simple but people will sit there and they'll try to think it out and never come up with an answer it's very simple when your mother or when your father or when someone who cared about you carried that medicine and put that medicine in there they were thinking about your wellness they're saying I hope they get well I hope this works so what they're actually doing is telling the medicine what to do so they're putting good energy in that medicine because they want that young that young girl or that young boy to be well so they're putting a lot of good energy into it so when you give it to it that en that energy in that medicine knows what to do but when we pour it we take it oh I'm so sick I sure hope this works and you take it you're putting negative thoughts into that medicine everything is alive and we forget that sometimes all things are alive that are natural they're not dead because there is no, no such thing as dead they're, because they're energy when we sit if we understand how we are as people then we start understanding the true connection that we have with everything around us because we say the creator created all things right so if the creator created all things did he create more than us he created the world so therefore everything that is created must be part of the creator so therefore there's a life force energy in everything that the creator created and when the bible says he has no face that is correct because there are so many of them that we forget to look we forget to see that a tree has a spirit
An animal has a spirit. A rock has a spirit. The water has a spirit. Everything that has been created, if it's been created by the Creator, then part of that life force energy that He put into that particular thing has a spirit, has an energy. It's not just us who has that energy. And sometimes when you when you turn your light off and you're in a dark room, you'll see little sparks. That's energy. That's what you look like once you pass on. That is your original form. And you can watch sometimes. If you happen to see something like a tree get cut, and as it falls, if it's dark enough, you'll see a little white energy, a little light that'll generally leave that tree. And that's basically what the true form is. That is our life force energy. If that's the case, you know, people will say, well, when we pass on, our bodies are buried. What happens to our bodies? We return to Mother Earth. We return to dust. The body returns to dust. The mind, the brain returns to dust. They see the spirit. And they describe the spirit well. And, they'll, and when they describe it, they'll describe it in many different ways. Because, number one, energy can take any form and shape it wants to. So if that's what you feel, and it goes through your spirit and comes in your mind, well, the first thing you're going to do is your mind's going to create what you want to see out of that energy. So the energy feels it and comes in that shape and form. So if you go looking for ghosts, you're going to find a ghost. You're going to find an apparition. So that's how energy works. They fix up your feelings. And we have to be careful sometimes because, see, there's always a battle going on between our mind and our spirit. And we seem to have a tendency to believe this too much. And a lot of times this will lie to us. To give you a prime example, everybody put your hands up in the air. Okay, I want you to go like this. Now I want all you guys to take your hand, come down, and put it on your chin. Now how many people put it on their chin? How come everybody has it on cheek? <laughs> See? The eyes will lie. And sometimes we won't even hear because we're too busy looking. We're too busy trying to make up our own minds on what we want to hear. What I do is I, when I ask the Creator, I ask permission. I say, allow me to use the energies that I need in this ceremony this, this night. Send those energies that are needed to heal certain type of illnesses, to give certain type of visions, to give certain type of thoughts to us. And then whatever comes in, comes in. Because see, I don't see the spirits. I feel them. So because I feel them, I don't imagine them. So they don't appear in any form. They appear in lights. Because that's the way I feel them. That's the way I know that they exist. So therefore I can look and I can see the lights. Other people will see, will see eagles come in. Other people will see, but they're true energies. It's just that that's what you want to see, so the energy appeases you. Because they figure, if you see them the way you want to see them, then you become very comfortable with them. And you're not scared of them. So that's why they do it that way. So when I, when I call in the energies, I just call in whatever energy needs to be there to help us. So it'll, it, it'll come mostly in my, in my way is, I see the lights, and that's how I accept them. And I, I know they're there because I can feel them. 
sometimes I'll, I'll be sitting there really looking for something I want to see, and I may not want to see it. <laughs> so that gives you kind of an example of, of, uh, of how we deal with life and how we see life force energy. And that's why we have such a good relationship with Mother Earth, because we do understand it. There is another level, and that's the level of spiritual advisors, the people who still understand that tradition and culture are not that important. The important thing is to bring forth that understanding that we are all alike. And in order to save the world, we got to start thinking alike. we got to go back to that original feeling. But we have a lot of problems with our medicine people, and we have a lot of problems with our shaman. That's why I do not adhere to be one, because there's always a problem. They go with tradition. They go basically with culture. And I'm not going to get stuck. Once you get stuck in tradition, once you get stuck in culture, I cannot teach no one. I cannot advise no one to go back to the original ways because I'm stuck in tradition. And I have to teach tradition. So that's why I refuse to take on any terminology in that particular state of being a medicine man or a shaman. I am a spiritual advisor. I am here basically to advise people on how to go back to that center how to allow them to go back to that center, not by becoming Native Americans, not by becoming some tribal members, but by becoming themselves, learning who they are. Because you can't understand anything out there until you understand who you are and where you came from. And once you start understanding that, then it makes sense, because you have to accept yourself first. You have to accept it because every one of you have a gift in here. But if you don't allow yourself to find out who you are, you'll never find that gift. So that's the first basis of when I do my workshops, is I try to get people basically on that level on how do they contact themselves, how do they start understanding themselves. So we start off with a simple tobacco ceremony to get them in, at least in the right atmosphere of how you get attention. If you want to go to the doctor, you don't go out the door and say, hey doc, I want to see you. You got to get on that phone. You got to call. You got to make an appointment. And then you put the phone down. Well, that's what tobacco is. Tobacco is basically opening a line of channel. That's why it's sacred. It is the thing that opens up. And what you're doing is you're giving because you're going to be asking for something. And if you want your answers, you've got to give. And tobacco was told to us a long time ago, this was what we use. Everybody had this at one time. But when the migration began and the people went in different directions and became different races, they thought, well, we're going to return one day. Well, we had a great earthquake and the islands basically separated and we became caught on different continents. They didn't take the tobacco. They only took tobacco with them. They didn't take the seeds. So they lost it. So it remained here until it was rediscovered and brought back. But it's amazing how all of a sudden tobacco became the famous as it did because people at one time had a sense that tobacco was there at one time, but they forgot how to use it. They started rolling it up and started smoking it in forms of cigarettes when it was supposed to be basically used for ceremonial. So that's the first thing that we teach people is how do you get in contact? And there isn't even a, there's a way that you do it when you utilize tobacco if you want answers. You, you basically honor all the directions. 
There's seven directions altogether that you honor. You got the four directions, which is basically your no uh, north, east, south, and west. But you have Mother Earth, you have the universe, and you have the connection between yourself and the Creator, the whole. So there are seven directions that you have to go through when you when you want certain things done. And that reminds me of a little story. See. I don't know if I told you this one before or if someone heard it, but the Pope was in the a canoe with one of our spiritual advisors. And they were talking about spirituality and religion. Finally, the spiritual advisor got up and said, well, you'll have to excuse me, Father Pope, he said, but I'm going to have to relieve myself. So he took the tobacco out and made honor to all seven directions and put the, the tobacco in the water. Got out of the canoe and walked ashore. Did whatever he had to do, came back, he said a little prayer, offered a little tobacco, walked back to the canoe, got in. Of course, the Pope was kind of watching it all this time and said, wow. And he said, uh, that's something. Pretty soon he said, well, he said, you have to excuse me because I'm going to have to go relieve myself now. So he knelt down and he prayed and he finished in Nomine Padre, Filio Spiriti Santo, got out of the canoe and sank. Spiritual man just reached over real quick and just barely caught his robe, brought him back into the, into the canoe and sat him there and got him from coughing and choking and all of a sudden the Pope start crying. The spiritual man looks at him and says, why are you crying, Father Pope? said, because your faith is stronger than mine. And the old medicine, the old spiritual advisor looked down and said, what are you talking about? He said, well, he said, when you prayed to the Creator and you offered tobacco, you got out of the canoe and you walked ashore. He said, when I prayed, I got out, I sank. The spiritual advisor looks at him, kind of shakes his head, and he said, Father Pope, it helps to know to know where the rocks are. <laughs> so I always use that story sometimes to to get people to start thinking that life is really simple, but you have to look under the water a little bit sometimes. You have to look a little bit under that surface for the answers. But sometimes we get so deep that we can't understand, oh, it must be a miracle, it must be this. But in reality, everything is simple. There are simple answers. There are simple questions. But because our mind does not want our spirit to become powerful, our mind controls. That is the battle that we have to overcome, is the, between the mind and the spirit. How many people do you see nowadays that are turning into robots? Every place you look, you can see robots being developed because their minds are being controlled. You've got to get back to that spirit. That's why there's so much sickness now, because people don't know how to deal with it anymore. And that's what I was saying. At one time, energy was the thing that we used. But for some reason, we lost our faith in energy. We've forgotten how to use the energy. So we have to go to the herbal medicines. And that's, now we're starting to make that complete cycle where we're even going back to energy now. Like a lot of times when I'm doing my ceremonies, all of a sudden I'll hear a voice say, why are you using these tools? 
when you got the energy you can pull. I said, because I haven't learned how to utilize the energy yet. <laughs> and they said, well, learn. It's there. It's for everybody. I said, when the Creator created all things, He gave us all this energy, all these things, all these life, life forms. They said, all you have to do is utilize them. They said, why are you praying to me? I gave you everything. But yet you still pray. You've forgotten how to utilize the old ways. Because we want things to be done to us now, for us. We have forgotten how to do things. He gave us everything that we need. And when I say he, it's not really a he, it's not really a she. We just like, as, he, as men sometimes, we have a tendency to say he. Women sometimes will say she. <laughs> but it really is neither one. And when you get in touch with that reality of yourself, all of a sudden you really find out and you really see what the Creator really looks like. And I'm not going to tell you because when you finally see it, you're going to say he was right. Because I've already told you what the Creator was. The first time I went up and I talked to the Creator, I mean, I was looking all over for an image of myself. It took me six months to I finally realized there was no image. See, I gave you another secret away. Now, everything we use when, when we do certain things are for purposes. This right here is, I use it basically sometimes as a healing blanket because there is a grandmother here. There's a grandmother energy. There's a grandmother energy turtle in here. And a lot of people will see it. Sometimes when, when they're sitting there and not feeling too good and I put this around here, I'll sit there and I'll say, now without thinking, don't think. I want you to tell me what you feel like with that blanket on. They said, very safe, very warm. I said, if I was to tell, ask you, what kind of animal would this thing make you think of? The first thing they say, turtle, without even thinking. They'll say turtle, because they feel it. And I don't tell them. But now if they think about it, they'd probably, mm, and they wouldn't come up with it. Because what your gut feeling says, what you say is your gut feeling, it's really your energy. And when you listen to that particular energy, it never lies to you. And to give you a prime example, how many times have you walked out the door and it's sunny out, but all of a sudden, for no reason at all, you'll turn and you'll look at an umbrella. And then all of a sudden your mind says, well, look, it's such a beautiful day. You don't need that umbrella. It's sunshine. Four o'clock in the afternoon, it rains, you say, I should have brought that umbrella. Simple things like that tells us the difference between our spirit and our mind and how we look at things. Things are simple. Again, we complicate them. One of the things that we do sometimes, too, is that we burn sage. Sage is another medicine. It's a purification. And there is, there's an art of smudging. How you smudge people. And when you smudge people, what that basically does, it creates an energy field around you that will basically not allow negative thoughts or negative energy to be around when you do this. So what do we say? It purifies your, your body. purifies the area around you. 
I was watching Donahue one day, and this one non-native was, they're all talking about how they meditate the best. And they had a couple people up there who said, well, you know, I've tried all these things, they said. And they said it kind of works. He said, but you know what really works for us? They said, what? They said, sage. <laughs> well, what does sage do? I don't know, but it works. <laughs> that was the only thing they could do because they didn't understand what sage does. Sage, again, is a sacred medicine. It's basically used for purification. If you have a mosquito bite, you take a leaf, put it in your, between your gum and your teeth and suck on it for a while, take it out, put it on that mosquito bite, draws all the poison out, mosquito bite completely disappears. It can also basically use in combination with, with uh, tobacco. You put the tobacco and everything, put it in the mouth, put it on a wound, if it's infected, it draws all the infection out. So there's always different type of uses for things when you utilize certain type of herbs. But that's basically what sage is used for. It's the purification. It's basically to purify the area around you. Since there's a lot of colds in England, <laughs> I, don't, I know the weather has nothing to do with it. If you take a combination of peppermint tea and cold foot, and was it cold foot? Ah, we know that. And you add them together. But how many of you know of it that it's a, a basically a cold remedy? One person, two people. But now, what's the secret ingredient that you can add to it? No. There's another ingredient. Juniper. Teaspoon of each for two cups. And you will find that a cold, your throat and everything will, will go just like that. So when you learn your gift, there's many different things you can do. See, when you first go on, like a lot of people misunderstand dreams and visions. And I think that's probably one of the biggest, uh, how would you say, um, crossroads are uh, most, uh, trying to think of a word here. <laughs> How would, you, how would you say a word, uh, obstacle, I guess, I could use? Your, your biggest obstacle is not understanding when you've had a vision. So if you don't understand when you have a vision versus a dream, how are you going to know what to do with it? And the other thing is, what do you do with a vision? Because everybody says, they're dreams. But there is a difference between a vision and a dream. And the first thing that you have to understand is that a vision is something that really happens. Your spirit is really there. Now, if your spirit's really there and you happen to be sleeping and you have a vision when you're sleeping, if your vision is there and you're really there, when you come back into your body and you wake up, What's the first thing that you're going to notice? No, something else. That's right. If you got up and work all day, aren't you tired? So if your spirit goes out and it's working all night and comes back and you get up, you're going to be tired. Again, simple. The other thing is that you're going to remember everything in detail. 
because you were there. You've seen it. It was part of you. A dream, you'll hardly remember it. You'll remember little parts of it. And that's the difference between a vision and a dream. And dreams, you don't pay attention to because they're not important. You pay attention to the vision because those are the things that teach you. A lot of times you'll say, I had a nightmare. And you can remember all the details. When in fact, it wasn't giving you a nightmare. It was showing you your power. It was showing you your gift on what you could do. But we see it as a hideous monster. But if we allow our vision, we always see ourselves when we turn and we fight. We can basically do away with that monster. And that's basically how visions will generally start. They will test you. They will see if you're ready. If you run, you're not ready. And once you pass certain tests and visions, then they'll turn around and they'll start showing you gifts. They'll start showing you what your gift is. I mean, I'm like anybody else. The first vision I had, I was scared. I didn't, I didn't fight it. I tried to run from it. So they knew I wasn't ready. So I had to go through a special ceremony. I went through a special ceremony. Then the next vision they gave me, I fought and I won. Then they said I was worthy. So therefore, then they start teaching me things. They start showing me things. They are basically what we call helpers, the helpers of the Creator. They'll, they'll show us certain things. They'll be instructed by the Creator to show us certain things. So they come down and you'll have a vision. You may have a battle. You may have a spiritual battle when, when you're in there. You're actually physically fighting. And then later on what they do is they'll come and they'll show you like, when I got the cancer medicine, it came from a woman. It came from an elder. I was sitting and she took me under the ocean. And when we came back to the ocean, she said, I no longer fear you. I understand you. So therefore there must be a bridge that must be built between your world and our world. And she said, this is for you. And she gave me a gift. And when I looked at it, I recognized four ingredients on what she had, but there were seven altogether. And I understood right away the four. And they showed me one of the, one of the ingredients. I knew exactly what it was. But I couldn't figure out what the other three was. So uh, I went to Canada about a year later, and I found one of them. So now I had five. And just uh, in January, I was called up by one of the uh, spiritual people up in uh, Canada again. And they said, we know you have one of the key ingredients that we need for the cancer medicine. If you give us that key ingredient, we'll give you the two you're looking for. Mm -hmm. So that's how it worked. I had an ingredient they needed, and they had the ones I needed, so we traded off. So now I have all my combinations. But see, that's how you have to work sometimes. It's not, sometimes it's not easy because sometimes you're not, you're not aware of when you look at it. If you don't know what you're looking at, it's hard for you to interpret what you're looking at because you don't have the ancient ways anymore. So sometimes it takes a little bit longer. Or sometimes they'll work in different ways by allowing it to come to you through different means, but it'll always come to you. My giant turtle shell. I was sleeping and all of a sudden this again an elderly woman came and they said you have to go up north and she she spoke in Ojibwa 
she, uh, she said, Anishinaabe, Nabi. And then she said something I didn't understand. And I said, what the heck is that? And I sat there and I said, she said, you've got to go up north. You have to come and get it. So a week later, I packed up all my stuff, getting ready to go up north, and one of my buddies asked me, why are you going up north? I was told to go up north. Why? I said, I'm going to get my giant turtle shell. And I stopped there and said, now how in the hell did I know it was a giant turtle shell? I said, is that what it is? So when I got up in, uh, up in North Dakota, went up into Canada, went looking for my turtle shell. No turtle shell. Came all the way back, no turtle shell. So I finally said, well, maybe I'm up here too early. Maybe I'm supposed to come another time. So I got my car all packed up and got ready to leave. Telephone call. Answered it, and this one lady said, would you come over to my house and smudge it? I said, okay, well, let me t talk uh, to one of my uh, the clan mothers and see if she'll come with me. So I went and talked to the clan mother and asked her if she would come with me, and she said, yeah. So we went over to her house to smudge it. She hadn't, didn't even ask me to smudge her house once I got there. We just started talking. Next thing I know, she said, uh, would you come into the kitchen? So I walked in the kitchen, there was my giant turtle shell. And she said, I was told that this may belong to you. And I said, well, I don't know. I was told I was supposed to come up here to, to get one. But I don't know if that is the one. She said, well, we'll see if that belongs to you. So she took it off. It was laying on this blanket. She took it off, and they put it on my back. The minute they put it on my back, there was a thunder and a lightning that came down. And she eyes her butt like that, and she said, it is yours. <laughs> Take it. <laughs> so that's how I got my giant turtle shell. But a lot of times they'll tell you. Now most gifts, almost every gift that you get from the vision world will come in the form of a woman, a grandmother. They are the bearers of gifts. So when, again, this elderly woman was sitting there, and I was watching her and she was watching me, all of a sudden this deer came in. And... It laid down right in front of me, and I looked at it, and it had a hump on its back about that big. And I sat there, and I said, well, I don't know if I can do anything for you. I was going to pet it. And as I put my hand down, all of a sudden, lightning came out of my hands, blue lightning. And I said, wow. So I went like that, and more blue lightning came out. And I just started going, and I started playing with it. The next thing I noticed, that hump, that tumor was gone on that deer. We completely gone, got up in a tank, and it took off. And then I remember the old woman telling me, one day you will receive this gift where all you have to do is use your energy, and you will be able to cure. And then about almost six months, seven months later, in the middle of the night, in the middle of Denver, Colorado, a deer walked in to my yard and up to my window. Unfortunately, they scared him away before I had a chance to realize it was out there. But that could have been the messenger coming, letting me know it was time. Because you never see a deer in a city. And it came right, jumped right up over, over that one fence, they said, and walked right up to my window. In fact, the, the people who seen it couldn't believe it, so they went outside and scared it away. So maybe it's just, I'll have to wait a while before it, it comes to me. But that's how things come to you sometimes.
And that's why it's very important sometimes to remember your visions. And at first, start writing them down. Because sometimes our mind plays tricks on us. And they'll make us forget it right away. Because they don't want to give up that power to the spirit. The mind. The mind is very powerful, remember. And they want control of the body. So we have to sometimes allow somehow to allow that spirit to become strong to start taking over. And it's, it's very simple sometimes and sometimes it can be hard. We control that. We control how much energy we use when we do utilize things. But that's why it's so important to write your visions down because if you try to interpret them with this, they're not going to make sense. But all of a sudden you may be going someplace, driving someplace, or walking someplace, all of a sudden that's what it meant. It comes to you naturally. And all of a sudden you said, well, it was simple. Why couldn't I think of it before? It's because you were thinking, not feeling. So when you have your visions, the first thing you have to do is feel them. And you'll know when the right, right answer comes because all of a sudden it's just like, yeah, it's there. Bells will go off. And all of a sudden it makes completely 100% sense. And there are different type of visions you will get. You'll get warning visions. Sometimes they'll show you things that are going to happen. And that's why I said you've got to be very careful with visions. Because when they give you a warning vision and something happens, you can say, well, it was supposed to happen because I had a vision. And that's how we think. The reason why they give you warning visions is to do one thing. You have the right to change destiny. They're giving you your chance to change things. But if you don't want to listen, it's going to happen. But we can't get to a, to a point where we're saying, well, I see it in my vision, so it's going to happen, and not do anything about it. Because they're giving you a warning. You can basically change destiny. Other visions they give you is they'll show you gifts. And when you have those visions, sometimes you have to train your spirit to look at what catches your eye. Whatever catches your eye in the vision is what you have to take a look at. Because sometimes they'll show you other things because you're not the only one looking. There are other people who, who go into your visions to steal things, to take some of your gifts. So sometimes they become very tricky. But you'll know right away because you'll be pulled to it. In all of your visions, you'll remember that thing in detail. And that belongs to you. So what you do, if they show you something, you make it. It's yours. It's your tool. They're showing you basically how to use a tool. How to use that energy. Another one is what I call a walking vision. And I'm sure everybody in here had a walking vision. Another name for it is deja vu. How many of you sat there all of a sudden? This happened before. That's a walking vision. What the walking vision is, is that they will show you something, but then they'll take it away. Because they know that you have to walk that path and go through that particular lesson, walk that particular path, and not try to change it. Because this is part of what you're supposed to learn. 
So all of a sudden, when you finally get there, it's deja vu. It happened before. Now, I'll share something with you. This was a gift that was given to me. And this comes from the vision world. And I use it. I use this energy. So I made it. But it's not the way the vision showed me. Because it cannot be duplicated. So therefore, I didn't do it correctly. I know what it looks like. My spirit knows what it looks like because this shirt's inside of me now. I don't need to carry it. But I do because it makes people more comfortable when they see it. Even though the shirt is part of me now. The shirt's inside of me. What this does, one of its gifts, it has many gifts, but one of its main gifts is to stop hemorrhaging. And to stop, basically, the brain from being destroyed. I've used it three times since I've had it for that particular purpose. And three times it has worked. I don't use it very often. I used it on my sister. She had uh, two blood vessels break in her brain. Doctors basically said she was dead. They said it would be a miracle if she lived. And if she lived, she would have permanent brain damage. So this was the first time I was kind of hesitant. I didn't really believe too much in this stuff. I used to say it was hogwash. I used to say our medicine people, our spiritual people, didn't know what they were talking about. Because to me, everything had to be in black and white. It had to be in front of me. That's how I understood things. So I was kind of hesitant to take that shirt out. Something whispered, take the shirt out and pray. So I took the shirt, I put it on. I took my nephew out, who was the son of my sister, who was basically had the uh, hemorrhaging. And we did a ceremony. And when I got done with the ceremony, they whispered to me and said, your sister is going to be fine. And to prove it, they said the hemorrhaging was now stopped. They said, and tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock, she will sit up in bed and she will talk to people. So I turned to my nephew and I looked. I said, uh, Tony. And his mouth was, I heard. <laughs> he goes, he was just, he couldn't believe it. He said, my mom is going to be all right. And to this day, he does not remember that ceremony. Because I can ask him, do you remember when we went out and we prayed for your mom? He said, I don't remember it. They completely took it away from him. He doesn't remember it. But when I called and I talked to one of my other sisters, and I asked her, I said, uh, how's, how's Bernice doing? And she's, her reply to me is the doctors called the families together because she's not going to make it. I said, no, she's going to make it. She says, how do you know? I said, I know. In fact, the doctor should be coming out of that room right now shaking his head. And she looked up and said, how in the hell did you know he was coming out shaking his head? I'm in Denver, Colorado, during North Dakota which is about a 16-hour drive away. And I said, I, I just know. But when he comes by, by he's going to say it's a miracle. The hemorrhaging has stopped. So she says, what's the matter, doctor? He said, it's a miracle. The hemorrhaging has stopped. <laughs> so she was really enthused about She said, well, what's going to happen next? I said, well, at 9 o'clock tomorrow morning, she's going to sit up and talk to everybody. She said, no, Dennis. She's got uh, brain damage. Oh, no. I said, she'll sit up and talk to everybody. Just like normal talk. 
So everybody, I guess she went and told everybody, so everybody was there at 9 o'clock that morning. She got up and she said, why is everybody here? <laughs> she couldn't remember what happened, but she was basically talking to people. So then they went in, they repaired both of the uh, blood vessels. She's still walking among us today. No brain damage, nothing. So that was one of the things that actually got me to start believing in energy, start believing me in the old ways. That really started putting me on the path to say, there is something to this. And then when it worked a second time, I got a little bit stronger. Then it worked a third time. And it worked here in England. A young man came to me when I was doing a workshop. And he said, I need to talk to you. And I said, okay. I said, what do you need to talk to me about? Well, it's something private. I said, okay. So we walked in the corner. I said, what do you need? He said, my mother's dying. They can't stop the hemorrhaging. And I want you to say a prayer for her so that she will, won't have that problem in passing. So I looked at him and I said, uh, why have you given up on your mother? He said, what do you mean? A doctor says she's going to die. I said, has your mother told you that? He said, no. I said, then let her spirit decide. I said, I do have a shirt. There's a ceremony I can do. I said, if you want me to do that ceremony, ask. So he said, would you do it? And I said, yes. So I went in, did the ceremony. We did the sweat lodge. After the sweat lodge, he went out and he went and called the hospital. The doctor came back. He says, I don't know what happened. It's a miracle, but your mother's improved. If the spirit of that individual wants to continue to walk upon Mother Earth, if that spirit would say, no, I don't want to be healed, I want to go home, then I got to say, pull back and say, okay. I got to honor their spirit. I can't force them to be well. So sometimes they'll say, well, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. The whole situation is, is whether that individual is tired and they want to go home. You have to allow them to go home. And see, medicine people at one time didn't understand that. The reason I understood it was because of my adopted father when he passed on, Jake Whitecrow. I went there and boy, I was sitting with my spirit form, I was just hitting them with energy. And he said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm healing you. He said, did I ask you to? I said, huh? He said, did I ask you to heal me? I said, no. I'm doing because you're my adopted father, you're my friend. And he said, I don't want to be healed. So I'm tired, Dennis, I want to go home. And I looked at him kind of funny and I said, he said, you can't heal me if I don't want to be healed. So I pulled back on that and I looked at him and I said, yeah, but Jake, I said, you're my friend. And I want you to walk with me a few more years. He said, no, Dennis, he said, I'm just too tired. I did what I had to do I have to go home now so I said goodbye to him and came back about that time I woke up so I knew he was going to pass on so I went out and I offered tobacco for a safe journey for him and at the same time I said it was about 45 degrees outside and when I was praying and I, before I laid the tobacco down I said I wish there was a way that nature could honor this man for all the things that he has done in his lifetime to help people understand our, our, our nature way. I said, but here's my 
tobacco. Went back in, inside. At about 6 o'clock in the morning, we had a freak snowstorm. So when I got up at 8 o'clock, all the trees had their branches bent over. They were touching the ground. And I said, they answered my prayers. By 3 o'clock in the afternoon, there was no more snow. It's gone. So I know it works. I mean, I wasn't, I was, mostly say, I was not a non-believer in this thing, even though I was part of it. But I had, they had to show me things and show me how it works. Then I started understanding things.